0: obviously one of the 12 that, that followed Jesus in his life and ministry. He was, as we read at the, the passage, this, just at the front of this in the Easter story, he's one of the only guys, him and uh, probably John as well, were the only two disciples of the 12 that bothered to check the tomb. Um, and so Peter ran there after the women came back and reported that Jesus was, uh, was raised and was, was not in the tomb. And Peter goes and he searches that out and he sees the empty tomb. And and so this man uh, encountered the the suffering and death of Jesus. He experienced the empty tomb and he was one of the first who Jesus appeared to after his resurrection. And so here you have Peter writing this this letter to uh, the church and uh, to a group of Christians that have been scattered around the world. And, And he starts this letter out talking about the risen Christ, and why that matters to our lives. And so we're gonna look at five quick things today. We're just gonna spend a little time on five things in this passage that that we can lean on as we have a risen Savior. So look at verse three. Um, It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so what we're told here is really important. We have a merciful God. Because of his great mercy, he has made us alive. He has given us this new life, this new birth. And he did this by bringing us into what he calls a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So our hope as Christians is alive because our Savior is alive, that the resurrected Jesus gives us a living hope. And and that's the theme of this section, this living hope in Jesus because he was raised from the dead. And so as we continue to read, we see five things that that, uh, are true because of Christ's resurrection, that that give us living hope. So let's keep reading. It says, um, he's given us this new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And so in verse three through five, here's what we're seeing. This a beautiful living hope gives us and secures for us an eternity with God in Christ. He, we, we have absolute security and protection and, and a, an inheritance that cannot be taken from us because Jesus died the death we deserve to die, right? That's what happened on Friday. We, we talked about and celebrated in this, this crucified Savior who took our sins upon himself. By doing that, he then uh, removed all of our sin and everything that separates us from God in, in a right relationship with him. He gives us this new home that he then secures permanently, eternally, forever, For us because he was raised from the dead. If Jesus had just died and hadn't raised, then our whole faith and hope is gone. There's no hope in that, right? There's no hope in a a dead Messiah. There is hope, though, in a living, reigning Messiah that we have in Jesus, and he keeps our salvation for us. Look at how it says we have an inheritance that is imperishable. It can't, it can't go away. Everything in this world eventually erodes and is ultimately perishing, but not our eternity. It is undefiled. In other words, there's nothing impure about it. There's nothing dirty about it. It is all cleaned before the Lord. And it's unfading. It doesn't disappear over time. In fact, it, we're told it's kept in heaven for you that God secures you in his arms because Jesus has given you a living hope through his resurrection. And then it goes so far, Peter, he goes so far as to say that we are being guarded by God's power. Think about that. Like Our, our faith can be so uh, shifting left and right. Our faith can be uh, weak at times. We can doubt and fear and all the things, right? We, we're human, we're sinners, we, we encounter that. But the promise of the resurrection is that even though we may sway back and forth and our resolve may not be what it should be, we are being guarded by God's power because Christ is risen. And and that power is through faith for salvation to be revealed at the last time. So our, 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 our whole inheritance is built around the salvation that Jesus Christ gives us through his life, death, and resurrection that he is holding our security in his hands. That is so important. And it's gonna, it's gonna actually go into a deeper implication in the next verses. Let's, let's keep reading verse six and seven. He says, you rejoice in this, that in, in this your salvation, right? That you're rejoicing in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials. So that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What is Peter saying to us in this? What is the Bible saying here? It's telling us that our eternity is secure in heaven but that doesn't mean we're going to have an easy coasting of a life. We are going to have struggles here. Our living hope is a living hope even in the midst of suffering. And, and we have to recognize that there is, um, there is a squishy Christianity in our, in our world today. A Christianity that doesn't have any real grit because we, many of us don't recognize that the sufferings we go through are actually meant to refine us and to make us more like Jesus. He uses the analogy of gold being refined by fire. And to refine gold, you have to put it into an incredibly hot fire. And as it's, it's burning in that fire, the, the dross or the impurities are coming to the surface and getting scooped away. And, and the more that, that that gold is in that fire, the more pure it becomes. And Peter says that like that, our trials, our struggles, our sufferings in this world are being used by God to bring about this refinement of our faith and trust in this living hope. That, that hope is alive even in the midst of suffering. Charles Spurgeon uh, says that we must expect trial because trial is the element of faith, and faith without trial is like a diamond that's been uncut, the brilliance of which has never been seen, right? You don't see the beauty of a diamond until it's been cut and put under this, uh, th- this uh, refinement. And then it says, a fish without water or a bird without air is, is what faith is without trial, Trial is the, is the world we live in. Difficulties are the world we live in. But that doesn't mean we're without an, an eternal living hope. Our hope in Christ is what sustains us in trial and keeps us going towards him. And Peter is writing to a, peop, a group of people who are in incredible suffering, far more suffering than what we live in. These were people, in verse one, it says he's writing to the chosen people living in exile dispersed abroad. So these were people who had been removed from their homes. They they were they were essentially refugees. They couldn't live where they were wanting to live, and they had to go abroad. And Peter's writing to these people who have been displaced and and have this incredible angst and suffering, and he's writing to them right at the beginning of his letter. It's not that's intentional, right? At the very beginning of the letter, he says this is your living hope. Your living hope is not in your comfort. Your living hope is not in your security here and now. Your living hope is not in your financial setting. Your your living hope is not in having a job or not. It is is in Jesus. That's where your living hope is found. And so no matter what you're going through, we can lean into this living hope through the risen Savior. Let's go on to number three, verse eight and nine. It says, I love these verses. These are some of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This living hope we have in Jesus is what leads us to love Jesus. And notice that loving Jesus is not connected here to being able to see him. He says literally, you do not see him, but you love him. That's where we all live, right? Like Peter saw Jesus. He lived among Jesus. He walked and followed Jesus. And that's a very different thing than what we have going on. But these people, he's writing to probably uh, 30, 40 years after Jesus has ascended into heaven. These people didn't know Jesus. They didn't know him personally in, in the sense that they could see him and touch him and, and know him in that way. What, what they did have, though, was a faith and a living hope. And so that, though they did not see him, they, they love him. And that's where every single one of us in this room needs to be though we don't see him physically here, we can love him and we can believe in him because he has risen from the dead. This is, this is the cornerstone of our faith that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. And we can certainly see the effects of him and, and the things he does in our lives. And ultimately, the thing that we have to lean on is in verse nine, that we have received the goal of our faith, which is what? He says it the salvation of our souls. Our salvation is the goal and that's being received by this living hope in Jesus. Fourthly, I told you we're going quick here. So verse 10 through 12 says concerning the salvation, the prophets, the Old Testament prophets he's talking about, who prophesied about the grace that would come to you "'searched and carefully investigated. "'They inquired into what time or what circumstances "'the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating "'when he testified in advance uh, that, uh, "'to the sufferings of Christ "'and the glories that would follow. "'It was revealed to them "'that they were not serving themselves, but you.'" These things have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. All right, so here's, here's what this is pointing us to. Our living hope leads us to the scriptures and the scriptures lead us to a living hope. It's this, it's this circle. Right? Uh, the living hope of Jesus, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ is the word of God ultimately. But, but the word of God that we have in front of us in our Bibles, it points us to him and it opens our eyes to see the scriptures. Isaiah, uh, uh, sorry, I'm, excuse me, Peter says that Isaiah and all, and all the other prophets, right? Jeremiah and Ezekiel and all of them, they were all prophesying about this savior, the Old Testament points us to Jesus. It does, every, every bit of it does. There is something in it that points to Jesus and that is then fulfilled in Christ and is now on this side of Christ being preached and proclaimed by those who have been called to preach the gospel, right? And, but it's all the word. It's the word of God that, is, that our eyes have been opened to, that we have seen him through it. This living hope in Jesus leads us to the word. If we, if, if you take anything away today, take this, read the Bible because that's where Jesus is found. This is how we know the living hope. It's through his word and every word of it matters and every word of it's from him. Every word is spoken by God leading these people to write what they wrote. We, we have an, a perfect word of God that we can know him and we can live in the resurrection of Jesus through it. The word of God opens our eyes to this living hope. One more. This is a a very long section of scripture and we're not going to dig into it nearly as deeply as we could. I just want to hit one point, but let's read 13 and following. It says, therefore, therefore. So, okay, this this is where Peter's taken us, right? This is the whole thing. Everything he's just said is leading up to an application. And here's what it is. Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded, he means clear-headed, right? Set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. But as one who, is call, who has called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. If you appeal to the Father who judges impartially according to each one's work, you are to conduct yourselves in reverence during your time living as strangers or as exiles. For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from your fathers. But you weren't redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for you. Through him, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead, and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth, so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other, from a pure heart, heart uh, from a pure heart, love one another constantly, because you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like a flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word. This word, rather, is the gospel that was proclaimed to you. All right, So all that, there's so much there. Man, we could take multiple sermons on that one, but here's, here's the point. Paul is te- Peter, rather, is telling us that this living hope that we have in Jesus through the resurrection of the dead from him of him from the dead actually leads us to a righteousness and love that flows from him that your life should actually be different because Jesus is alive your lives, my life, we should be living a different way than the world because Jesus is alive. And that should mean something, right? And that's where Paul, excuse me, I keep saying Paul because that's what we usually talk about. Peter is, is talking here about this, this call to be holy because God is holy. But notice that that holiness doesn't flow from you and me in our righteousness. It flows from Jesus Christ and his, his grace and perfection. He, he says that we have been we have, we have been redeemed not with these perishable things like silver or gold, right? God didn't buy you with, with money. He actually paid for your freedom and your salvation with something far more precious, the very blood of Christ. And that this Christ was then raised from the dead and given glory, So, verse 21, so that your faith and hope are in God. The whole reason our lives are different and the whole reason our lives can be different is because Jesus Christ is alive. He's been raised from the dead. And, and we can live a different way. We, we just spent it here, I know some of you have been here for a while and we just spent some time walking through Romans chapter eight where there Paul talks about this, this uh, whole new life that we have through the spirit of God and in Christ. And, and that life can only happen as we embrace the gospel, The good news that Jesus lived a sinless life. He died in your place and he rose again from the dead, securing you and saving you and making you this new person. Again, I'm going to quote from Spurgeon because he's just, he's too good. I should just read one of his sermons one of these days. But, you know, here's what he says. I think this is helpful. This gives us some perspective. He says, Christ must be in us before he can be on us christ must be in the heart by faith before he can be in the life by holiness if you need light from a lantern the first business is to light the candle inside of it and then as a consequence the light shines through to be seen by others when christ is formed in us and our hope and is our hope of glory we cannot conceal our love for him instead we put him on in our conduct as the glory of our hope. In other words, here's what Spurgeon is saying. He's saying what we say, we call it, we say it this way, gospel doctrine, what Christ did for us, leads to gospel culture, how we live in that, that hope, right? And so we, we believe that Christ must be in us before he can come out of us. We, we believe that, and this is everywhere in the scriptures, right? It's in where Paul talks in Romans 6 about the resurrection, he goes right in the same direction. Where Peter's talking here, he goes in this direction. It's everywhere that Christ must be in you before he can work out of you. We We can't put... Um, the the cart in front of the horse this is what I say I said this a thousand times right and I know we don't have horses and carts anymore but you know some of you might but we don't put carts in front of the horse right so our our obedience and our goodness and our good works they cannot drive us to Jesus. instead Jesus drives us towards good works. Jesus is the one who changes us and and gives us a new life so that we can actually live for him in a way that brings him glory and so Peter is spending this time talking about the implications of the resurrection, and the implication is your life should be different. It should be different, not because you muster the strength to be different, but because Christ lives in you as your hope of glory, and when he lives in you, the, the things he wants from you will come out that they will they will happen in, in a in a way that is beautiful and centered on him. And so we can live in a new resurrected life, right? Paul says in Romans 6 that, that because Christ walked out of the grave, we can walk in a newness of life. We can have this new resurrected life in ourselves by knowing him, in the power of his resurrection. And we can ultimately be set free from sin uh, in its power and its, and its uh, punishment. We can be free from sin by trusting in Christ, the very Christ that died and walked out of the grave on the third day. That's our hope. That's the living hope that we have. I hope your hearts are encouraged in Jesus and I hope that if you are here and you don't know Jesus that you would, that you would talk to someone who invited you, that you would talk to me, that you, would, that you would not walk out of this building without knowing the hope of Christ. That's our hope for you. And listen, if you're a believer here and you've done that, you've trusted him, we need, to, we need to live in this resurrection hope. We need to stop leaning on our own strength and lean into his because it's his power, not ours, that can change our hearts and lives. So with that, let me pray for us. And we're going to sing in response. Now we're not taking communion today because Easter is the one Sunday a year we don't do communion because it's about his life. It's about his life. That's what we're here to celebrate. And so we took communion on Friday for Good Friday. But so today what we're just going to do is we're going to sing. We're going to respond. We're going to lift our voices in joy. And, uh, and we'll have the worship team come up as I pray. So let's pray together. Uh, Father in heaven, we are so grateful that you Uh, by the Spirit's power, raised Jesus from the dead. And that because you've raised Jesus from the dead, you have given us a living hope. Our hope is in you and our hope is eternal because you are an eternal God. And we pray, Father, that our hearts would be drawn, that if there's anyone in here uh, who who is doubting or, or just being far from you, Lord, we pray You would draw them in, that you would bring them to you. I pray, Lord, that for those of us who are in you but are struggling right now, that we would see your goodness in the trials that we're encountering and that we can lean into the trials because the resurrected Jesus walks with us through them. We pray that we would see these things. We pray that you would do a work in our hearts as only you can do. And we give this time to you and we pray our response to you is is, uh, uh, out of abundance of joy in our hearts. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.